Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. October is Filipino American History Month, and as anti-Asian violence continues to proliferate, there's still much work to be done with promoting Asian American and Pacific Islander, or AAPI, inclusion and history initiatives. Helping AAPI employees feel safe in their workplace is one important component of that fight. On the line to discuss is Farzana Nayani, a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist. Thank you for joining me. Yes, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Farzana, start by telling us about your multi-ethnic background and how that has shaped your work. Yes, I am from a multi-ethnic and multi-faith family. My mother's from the Philippines and my father is from Pakistan with roots in India. And traditionally, I grew up, you know, in that household thinking, this is something very common or something that I'm used to, but it wasn't until later in life that I realized that more often than not, we don't have that type of multi-ethnic household. Also being the child of immigrant parents in a, you know, a predominantly white neighborhood with other immigrants, I could really see the need to fit in as a person of color in that community. But as I grew up, I really embraced being multi-ethnic and, you know, also embrace the Asian Pacific Islander heritage that I have. And how are AAPIs often viewed as a group not needing mental or emotional support within a corporate environment? There is the unfortunate uh, reaction and consequence of what's called the model minority myth. And what that is, is this idea and this concept, and it's a false concept that all Asians don't need help. Everyone's a model minority. And that came into play over generations of this through magazine articles, through even a purposeful narrative that was put out by the government to say, hey, you know what? If Asians can make it, so can you. And what it did was it created a wedge between Asian Pacific Islanders and other people of color communities. So that was one impact that was created, but it also created this lack of empathy around people thinking that API folks need help. And what we're seeing in the workplace is that people see, in, in particular, the stereotypes are that people are hard workers, they put their head down, maybe they're good at math, and, and some of that is even used in political campaigns, right, to see how people use that as kind of the routine around, hey, you can trust us as Asians. And, and it's really detrimental to the community and actually causes a lot of harm. So what are some practical steps that managers can take to make their AAPI employees feel safe returning to work after the uptick in anti-Asian violence? The first thing that can happen is just acknowledging that that has been occurring. There's been some media attention, but it comes in waves. But generally, a lack of awareness that there is anti-Asian violence and hate. There was a string of, you know, a series of events that have taken place not only in Southern California, but across the country and around the world 
around people harassing and violently attacking people of Asian background. And this is of all ages. And it's also of all ethnic backgrounds. So you have folks of every ethnic background, Chinese background or South Asian or Filipino, et cetera, who are harassed or their businesses are vandalized. People are sat on, name called, pushed off subways. And even it's led to murder. It's very sad. And it's created this environment where people feel unsafe. And this happens that I, I personally, I live in Southern California and there's incidents I've seen on, online around, you know, in Torrance, people yelling at people in parks. There's unfortunate death of a senior in Woodland Hills just recently. And it, it's causing a lot of pain in our community. So employers really need to firstly acknowledge that this is going on. And then secondly, keep open lines of communication around what is needed, around mental health support, physical support by way of, you know, hey, do you need safety measures when you walk to your car or when you're taking public transportation? Can we look at even things like not having meetings go too late or making sure people don't go and leave the office alone? I've seen organizations offer to help get pepper spray and employees themselves taking ownership of sharing, you know, it's sad, but like what type of pepper spray to have in your purse? So things Mm -hmm. like that and, you know, the work I do around employee resource groups and affinity groups helps create a space where people can feel comfortable sharing that and surfacing it as well to the larger community at work. I'm speaking with diversity, equity and inclusion specialist Farzana Nayani. What are some ways to tackle AAPI stereotypes and affect real change? The first thing that we need to understand around AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander stereotypes is we are not a monolith as an Asian and Pacific Islander community. There's a lot of detrimental experiences of disparities around health, around economics. I live in Long Beach and, you know, if you take a look at the Cambodian community versus other communities, right, there are different needs and experiences of that community versus others. So we just have to kind of break out of understanding that people are uh, one thing and have those stereotypes around income level or education. What individuals and leaders can do is force ourselves to confront biases. So when we see media images of characters that are playing the geek role or are incompetent at social skills and events, we have to challenge ourselves and think, hey, you know what, this isn't everyone and it's really not fair and not laugh at the jokes that maybe come across our path, but to interrupt them and really actively confront the bias. How can we rethink AAPI exceptionalism? AAPI exceptionalism has been used also in, you know, higher education as a means to justify anti-affirmative action or anti-equitable policy. So the way that we need to confront the exceptionalism that, hey, Asians are better, that's what that means, is to look at, again, disaggregating data and historically looking at you know, the different communities that need help. And what you do when when that happens, what you'll see is that Asians aren't a monolith. Not everyone is uh, succeeding. And even if there is the case of maybe higher scores or, or what have you, we have to look at patterns of immigration and migration and who was led in the country. And this has been something that has been intentionally contrived over time. So we have to see the patterns of immigration and migration and understand that it isn't representative of everyone. And in fact, there are people who 
maybe are refugees who have come here or people who are displaced, people who are in need, people who come from single-family homes, whatever the case may be, and not putting down any of those groups, but just knowing that there are different needs there, and we can't really rely on this model minority myth or exceptionalism to explain everyone's experience and, and background. And again, you mentioned the model minority myth earlier in this interview. Can you talk about the historical exclusion of Asian American and Pacific Islander people? Yes. Uh, Asian uh, Americans and Pacific Islander people have had, over time, limits to immigration. They've faced racism when folks have come over here to work in the fields or canneries or on the railroad. There's the Chinese Exclusion Act. There's anti-miscegenation laws, which means you couldn't marry someone outside of your own race. There are limits to women coming over historically. And so example I could give is in the Filipino community, traditionally men were able to come to the United States for labor to work in the field. And there was these dance halls where men would participate in social activities. And the local men who happened to be white, they saw this as an affront on stealing jobs and stealing women and et cetera, right? And there would be violence and fights that would break out against the Filipino community. And October is Filipino American History Month, so I can share a little bit about that. So there's that. There's Vincent Shin, who's attacked people. The two men who attacked him thought that he was Japanese, and they were frustrated with the automobile industry challenges in the U.S. and took it out on him and killed him. And there was a lack of accountability around it, right? So they got off with, with you know, lesser charges or no charges that makes a comment that this is permissible. Um, and there's a lot of awareness that we need to understand around Asians being attacked. It's not just during COVID with the uptick in anti-Asian racism mm. with people saying this is the Chinese virus or Kung flu. And unfortunately, again, political people saying these epithets, thinking that it's funny or it's normal, um, but it, it, ca- it causes a lot of harm. So a lot of people you know, attribute the coronavirus to China. And then as a result of that, people who are Asian have been victims of attack. Since then, the mental health challenges, people are all under strain. And so the stresses have been also taken out on the Asian community. Um, we've also seen with COVID at the beginning of the pandemic, the, the three communities of color that were most hit by uh, death and lack of care during COVID were the Black community, the Native community, and thirdly was the Pacific Islander community, which people don't know. But it's, again, the compounding of historical lack of access to health care that has maybe led people to have compromised health, um, which means that, uh, you know, if someone contracts COVID, that they're more likely to die. And so that we just look at it like, oh, this community is not taking care of themselves. But again, it's historical. So what we need to do is go back in time and these heritage and his, history months are a chance for us to not only share the, the challenges, but we also want to celebrate. There's a, a community leader here in California, Philip Veracruz, and he was, you know, one of the leaders around, you know, the strikes and was next to Cesar Chavez, or people could argue was the leader behind Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez was more vocal, but there are others who were involved 
in a lot of the community and civil rights activism, and that's not to take away from leaders like Cesar Chavez, it's just these stories have not been told around Filipino and Asian and Tagalander leaders and the impacts that the community have led us to enjoy the benefits of, of our civil rights now. Instead, we just have these memes, unfortunately, of of Asians that are the butt of jokes and can cause a lot of pain because people who are young, you know, and uh, there's stories of there's a child in Orange County, literally a child uh, who went to school and, and got, you know, uh, bullied around the coronavirus and made fun of. And when he defended himself, he's the one who got suspended. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is really hard for all generations. Seniors are, are feeling very unsafe. And there's community groups like Seniors Fight Back who are teaching self-defense. So shout out to them. But there's a lot of needs for awareness around all of this. I've been speaking with Farzana Nayani, a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist and author of the new book, The Power of Employee Resource Groups. Any last thoughts for us? I think that the, the growing interest in looking at what we can do is promising. There's definitely a push for allyship and solidarity, and I'm seeing a lot of Black and Asian solidarity movements and a lot of allyship from people who aren't Asian and Pacific Islander who are creating and spreading awareness that is really hopeful for me. I'm really in admiration of the news reporters who have to cover a lot of these incidents that are occurring, and there are social media channels that uplift this, so I can't say enough about the grassroots and individual commitment to sharing awareness as as important as this broadcast. So I encourage everyone to keep your eyes open and ears open to how we can continue to support the communities and also uh, to stand up for each other, whatever our backgrounds are, no matter what we're facing. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. And thank you for helping us do better. Thank you.